my tenant goes, I wish you would, you would buy this building because I loved you as a landlord. You were the best landlord I've ever had in my life. And you always got my back and everything else. You know, we've got the best listeners on the planet and I love it whenever I have an opportunity to connect in person with listeners of the show. Two awesome events that are coming up. Both are in Denver and flights to Denver are cheap from anywhere. Check out the show notes right now for the Finding Deal Summit and Rod Cleaves Bootcamp because this week we actually have a 25% off discount code to both. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by realbluespruce.com. And we are back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast with one of our favorite friends, Mr. Ryan Five Cent. How are you doing today, sir? Hey, I'm doing great, Adam. Thanks. Ryan, we've had you. This is your third time on the show. It is, yeah. Now you pointed that out. I think I've been on this show more than any other show. Well, you know what? You're one of the most creative thinkers that we've ever had. And, uh, and I think that you're a good guy and we need to keep bringing you back because there's always a lot of info in your, between your ears. So Ryan, his last name is not five cent, but it kind of is Mr. Ryan Nickel from Bootstrap REI. Why is the name of your company called Bootstrap REI? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, because I, I literally bootstrapped my business to success from food stamps, unemployment, just being just as low as they come, man. I mean, anything that I had to do was I was bootstrapping it because every penny was either a decision to either feed my family or put it back into this business. And that's where it came from. Got it. I love that. I love that. So you've done a lot of creative real estate. Is that right? I have. That's how I built my portfolio. Tell me about the very first deal that you ever did creative. When was that? Uh, it was uh, December 2014. Okay. So, wow. Several years ago. Tell us about that deal. That was a deal that um, I found a landlord who was distressed and he needed to uh, liquidate some of his properties or some of his holdings because he just couldn't make those, those payments anymore. Uh, he had 11 properties uh, to be exact. And what we ended up doing was putting in an option on his property. And so I had an option to purchase it. And then I turned around and I did a sandwich lease option with a person. So I had the option to buy the house. And then I found someone that wanted to buy it on a lease option. And so what I did was I then exercised the option and turned around and sold it on a lease option to a gal and, and made $15,000. How did you know to do that? I didn't. <laughs> I, had a, I had a mentor who showed me the paperwork and how to do all of that when I got started. Okay, got it. And that's when, um, so I mean, we've had your history on a couple other podcasts. You've also spoken at our RIA, our real estate group, and shared your history there. And we've got a, a YouTube of you. I, I think it's already up. We've got a YouTube of you. Uh, you did an excellent job. And so I know we've delved into kind of your history, but just um, on that one deal, if I remember correctly, and please correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. You moved away from your wife and kids to make this real estate thing happen. And that was your mentor when you were living with on his couch. I, I wish it was a couch. It was actually, I had a back closet that I was sleeping on the floor on. In his oh, office. okay. Yeah, but I, very close. Yeah. This was in Georgia. So I moved from South Lake Tahoe, drove cross country and um, he, he basically put me up in, in, in his, the back of his office because it had some space there. And I slept on the floor. <laughs> 
And there was something kind of inspiring to that story because I know a lot of people that wanted to get into wholesaling or sandwich lease options. Why well, I don't know a lot of people that wanted to get into sandwich lease options. I don't even know very many people that know about it. Um, but I know a lot of people that are really, uh, their heart is in the right place. They want to be successful in real estate and it takes them three, six, 12, or even sometimes 24 months, even some of them working really, really hard. But I thought that you said it only took you like a week or two to do that first deal. Three, three weeks. Three weeks. Okay. And you bring up a very interesting point too, because um, just last night at my meetup here in, in California, um, I had a guy that was there and he's like, yeah, I want to be in real estate. You know, first of the year, all these guys come out and they all want to be in real estate. It's fantastic. You know, it really, it's great to see that motivation with people, but he's working three jobs. And his goal is to get one job that would make enough money to cover all three jobs. So then he could have the freedom to go ahead and do real estate. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, dude, you got it backwards. You're never going to get into real estate if you do it that way. At least I look at upon, like I'm reflecting on myself. If I didn't have my back against the wall and I didn't have to, you know, drive cross country and make this thing happen, come hell or high water, I don't think I'd be in the business today. I, if I had it, you know, a cushy job or I had my, my needs were met financially, and me dabbling on this at nights and weekends, I would hit a wall and I wouldn't push through. There would be no perseverance. Be like, ah, you know what? Real estate's not, not for me and I'd move on. And I, I, it's unfortunate, but I see too many people that have that idea that like, oh, I know it's like my third year trying to make this thing work. And mm -hmm. you know what? You just got to, you got to do it. And I don't, I'm not, I'm not advocating that someone just like, you know, walk out on their job and like, <laughs> you know, sign up for food stamps like we did. I mean, we didn't, I didn't walk out on my job. I was fired, but we were on food stamps and and my back was against the wall. I mean, you can create that kind of leverage without losing a job, but you have to create that leverage for yourself. I'm glad you brought that up. So today, what I want to talk about is you've been doing single family for a long time. You have several rentals. You've, I mean, you've been doing this since I think you said 2014 was my first one. Yeah. Wow. So December 14. So I technically, you know, almost well, technically 14. Yeah, <laughs> technically. <laughs> so really um, what we're, what I want to talk a little bit about today is this, if something's kind of interesting. You are getting into a commercial mixed use property and you're utilizing those same strategies that you were using f since 2014 with single family. That's right. So let's just take it right there. Tell us a little bit about this commercial mixed use building and how you, how you got it and what's going on. Okay. So, um, this one was, uh, there was a gentleman in town that had this vacant property and he had a tenant in it that was kind of squatting and he just, he just didn't want it anymore. And he owned it free and clear and it needed some work and he just needed a roof and, um, some other work, but he was willing to carry a note on it. And so if we put, if we put some money down, he would carry a note and, made it super simple and the payments were um, low enough that if you got one tenant in it's a it's it's two commercial on the bottom and then it's two residentials on top uh, one commercial or two of the residentials would completely cover the the mortgage payment on it so it was like a no-brainer at all yeah yeah so can you dive into the numbers then could you kind of just talk about what what did you pay for it how much you had to bring to the table why you brought a partner and all, and kind of go from there yeah, no, for sure. Definitely. So, um, this particular deal, I, um, my partner had already owned this property. So he, last year he went and he, there's like kind of a long backstory, but I'll give it to you. So it makes, makes perfect sense. So he, um, 
he bought the property. He put fifteen thousand dollars down on two uh, two eighty five. So he's he's financing two sixty, and the monthly payment's thirteen sixty a month. So those are the numbers right there. And uh, the guy the guy has a five year balloon on it that, that he's holding it. So um, he, that the building has just been sitting there though. He he got the, the the tenant out, and it's just been sitting and sitting and sitting, and hasn't done anything with it. I have a tenant who um, I have a house recently that I sold that was just a straight up rental and he wanted to go into another place and I hadn't have another place for him. So I transferred him over to this new place now. So now the roof is fixed. My new tenants up there and he's paying for it. So now that 13, he pays 15 a month and that 13 is, is covered. Um, my tenant goes, I wish you would, you would buy this building because I loved you as a landlord. You were the best landlord I've ever had in my life. And you always got my back and everything else. So I, I, I mentioned that to my partner, um, I said, hey, you know, this guy's interested in me buying this property. And I'm also looking for some commercial space to move my office and do some different things there. And he goes, well, if you give me 25,000 for it, I'll let you take over my note. And so that's, those were the terms that, that we worked out. Um, we, we ended up settling on 20,000 and keeping him in 50-50 and we're gonna expand the thing out and we're actually going to um, create a, a brokerage together. Okay, and that brokerage is going to be housed in the building? It is. And you said there's two tenants in, at, on the bottom. Um, are they vacant right now? They're vacant right now. And you're about to move into just one of them or both of them? Uh, just one of them. One of them. And then your mortgage company that you're going into partnership with this person, uh, did he, was it mortgage or brokerage? It'd be a brokerage. So he's, a, I'm he's, sorry. Already, he's already an agent. He's going to get his brokerage license. Um, I, there's, a, there's a gal that's looking for some space that's a, a, a property manager, which is completely perfect for me because... I'm, I'm getting out of the property management side of my own personal property. So this is kind of how this is a creative win-win. So I'm going to give my properties over to somebody. She's going to be paying rent to me. So in, in effect, I get a subsidized property manager. That's cool. Um, <clears throat> you mentioned something where you, um, uh, it was like, I'll give you, let, give me 25K and you can take over the note. And then you um, talked it down to, let's do 20K. We'll take over the note, but let's go 50-50. Is that right? That's right, because I wanted him to bring some of the some capital to the to the table to do the repairs on the property. I didn't want to have to buy it and then come out of pocket for both. So I'm looking at and I stay in it with me. Smart. Basically, I'll take my money out of the pocket. You're just going to take it over to the other pocket to pay for the repairs. And just to be super clear, this person's not a note holder. They no. they had a mortgage. So you're ju- and so you're you're taking over the mortgage together. Correct. Okay. Yep. All right. Just wanted to make make sure. So this is a pure subject to. Pure sub two. And who who holds the mortgage? Who's the bank? Oh no 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 no. This is this one's owned free and clear by the guy originally that sold it to us. Sold it to my partner for ten for fifteen down. Okay. Yeah. It's owned free and clear by somebody. Yep. So my my partner has the note. He's paying. He's paying on the note. Okay. So, but that person is the bank. Correct. When I was talking about bank, I I didn't like really specifically say was this Chase or Wells Fargo? Like I just company. meant, right. I just yeah. meant who's, who is the bank? And so you said it was a seller. Individual. Yep. So it's a seller carried mm-hmm. note. Yep. There's no, um, there's no mortgage being taken over subject to. So I'm not taking over an existing debt. I just, um, what we did was we fractionalized ownership on it. So I bought an equity position and um, put myself on title. Awesome. So the note stays the same. I like that. Okay, so let's talk about fractionalized ownership then. Um, What other what other times can you use something like that? 
this is a, you know what, I, the idea came from being up in Tahoe where there's a lot of timeshares mm. and you don't have to be a timeshare company. You can, you can fractionalize uh, the deed. And I've, I've seen that there are a lot of deeds up there that are uh, 12% ownerships and they just basically have a, you know, a month, a year to go up to Tahoe and ski and swim and do whatever they want to do. That's really cool. All right. So let's, let's go here. Um, what's next for you? So what, what are your goals this year? So last year we sold a bunch of our properties. We, we trimmed off some of the, the, um, the, the, in our portfolio, the properties that weren't performing as well, like the market, the margins were, were a lot skinnier than we have grown accustomed to. So we sold some of those off and uh, we, we actually lost uh, one property in the, in the campfire that happened here in California. So we lost a property in that. And uh, my goal is to build my cash flow back up. So as we sold several properties off and lost one in the fire, uh, my cash flow has, has, uh, gone down monthly. So my goal is to hit uh, $10,000 a month in, in passive cash flow again. And um, that's my main focus. And it's mainly, it's mainly uh, subject two. And so I'm, I'm going heavily after sub two because last year we didn't do, we did more wholesaling than we did sub two. But my focus this year is to pick up 24 properties sub two and to hit that $10,000 mark. Uh, how, do you, how do you go after sub two? How are you going to pick up 24 properties in, in one year? That's a great question. Um, so it's a lot of just what we have been doing in the past, which is going after pre-foreclosures. Vacant pre-foreclosures is a real easy way to find some twos. And then also networking. I just, I'm closing on one on Friday. And this one came from a referral. So I actually network a lot with a lot of wholesalers. And as they come across deals that are just too skinny for them to wholesale out, but the seller's like really desperate, um, I, I buy those. I get the a referral fee to the wholesaler and then I actually buy those properties from the seller. Awesome. I, I had another question in mind just when you were talking about how your one of your homes kind of uh, it went through the the fire, the recent fire. Right, right. Um, well, how does that work? I mean, is insurance like difficult with that kind of stuff, or what are what are you experiencing? That's a great question. Uh, no, insurance was a breeze. Uh, I got paid out full value on the property um, because when you take over property subject to, and a lot of people don't realize this, but when you own that asset, you're on title. Insurance needs to be in your name. There are a lot of guys that, that do sub two that for one reason or another, and I don't know why they just bad advice. They keep the existing uh, property owners or the, the original owner's name. They're the seller that they got it from. They keep the insurance in their name. And in case of a fire, well, that person no longer owns that property. So now it becomes kind of a, a liability. Like who, who really owns this property? Who's, who's, who gets to be paid out and who doesn't? Um, so whenever I take a property sub two, I immediately displace the the original insurance and put it in my name because I'm the I'm the new owner. Awesome. Let's do a, a role play. Let me ask you a question as if that's how I really felt. When okay. the market is going really really high, you can't find subject twos. Not true. Say to that. Not true. Tell me why. Well, wasn't the market just going super high from 2014 all the way to what? In my market, we peaked at June, May, May of June of, of last year, mm -hmm. and I was still buying sub twos that entire time. So it doesn't matter if it's going up or going down, you can always find them. No, yeah, it, it, you're right. And, and the reason for that is because no matter what market we're in, up, down, or flat, you're going to have sellers that have challenges. You know, life happens to people. They get sick, they lose their job, they get a divorce. These are individuals that no longer can afford their house or no longer want their house. And you're an option for them in, you know, aside from traditionally selling it, especially if it's upside down or it has some repairs that need to be made and they don't have enough room to sell it or flip it. Are you doing coaching right now? I am. Okay. How do people find your coaching program? 
Uh, they can find me at, at you know, bootstraprei.com. Bootstraprei.com. Got yeah, it, got it, got it. It's actually and a free, then, free program that I, I created for people to go through. Okay, so you have a free program on bootstraprei.com. And if they need one-on-one, then you'll do that too? I will. Yeah. So, so the, the free, the free program, basically it's, you know, when you're driving for dollars, what are you, what, what are you looking for? How do you find these houses? And then I actually have real life conversations on the doorstep, on the phone with sellers or their neighbors. And then I walk through properties and I also have uh, going over a contract with a real seller whose home I bought subject to. So it's all right there laid out completely free. Um, and if they want added help after that, like, Hey, what do I do? Or how do I do this? Or I want your help. Then of course they can, they can reach out. That's really cool. It sounds like a really good resource. Um, and I, I wasn't aware that you, you know, what level you were putting that out, but it's really cool that you have a, a free resource for the creative real estate that you're doing. So uh, yeah, for the creative real estate podcast listener, uh, go to bootstraprei.com and go ahead and listen to him on the phone with other people, watch him actually at the, at the doorsteps knocking on these doors, talking to uh, people to actually negotiate subject to financing. Like, I think that it's easier probably for somebody to understand the subject to process when you see it in action. Not just when somebody tells you, oh, subject to is when you take over the mortgage. Like, it still <laughs> leaves a bunch of questions. So what's going on here? So um, definitely like that resource. Thanks for bringing it up. Yeah, you're welcome. In fact, the, the lady that um, I, I have on that particular one whose house we bought, I mean, her, her question was, why would someone do this? And it wasn't so much like, why would someone take over a mortgage or why would a seller let someone take over the mortgage? Her, her question was more like, why? Why would you help me? My house is in disrepair. I haven't made payments on it for a very long time. What is, what is the value that you see in me and my situation that you would want to help out? And honestly, that's where the gold is at, is when you see someone's situation and they see that you have an intrinsic desire to help them, then their trust is there and they're going to get, they're going to head they're going to work with you. And that's exactly what she did. She finally just said, you know what? I trust you. This it's yours. You can have it. I don't want anything kind of. A so thing. we are ready for the final five, but first a word from our sponsor. If you want to get in on your very first multifamily investment, my company blue spruce has passive opportunities for accredited investors. Oh, and before we get into the final five, I should let you know why you'd want to go to the finding deal summit on April 4th, fifth and sixth. The top reasons are one, your network really is your net worth and the speakers and the attendees are top notch. And number two, I guarantee you learn some ninja strategies to finding deals in this market. If you grab your tickets this week, you can get 25% off. So be sure to go to the show notes and find that promo code. At the beginning of the podcast, we mentioned how it took you about three weeks uh, to close your first deal. Your back was against the wall. You know, you were talking about food stamps and you, you knew that you had to make this happen. So you made it happen. Correct. So my question is, if somebody else is wanting to really get into this and we, I guess we talking about how hard it really is or how hard it can be to find the seller. So just give us the real um, info here. What's the scoop? Like, do you have to talk to a hundred people, 10 people, 200 people? to get one subject two to happen? That's a good question. And I honestly don't know the answer to that. Uh, what I do know is I, I go and I, to use an analogy, I fish where the fishing's good. 
And what I mean by that is um, in my market, high equity pre foreclosures, everybody's going after those. And so what I look for is what I would term a skinny deal. And these are properties that uh, don't quite have as much equity, but, and, and they're vacant as well. So I go after vacant pre foreclosures that don't have as much equity because no one else is going after those. And when I find that seller, um, not all of them are receptive. Some of them are just like, nah, I'm done. I'm moving on with my life. I'm let the bank take it. And no matter what you say to them, just, you can't change their mind. Um, but you talk to enough of them and I, trying to give you a number here like a realistic number i would say uh, maybe four out of ten i'm buying that i that i find that way you know 40 percent nice um but that, again I, I don't have any competition in that market because there's there's nobody there that's cool that's cool all right so if somebody wants to take their very first step into either single family or multifamily, utilizing these creative strategies what, what, what's their first step? What do they need to do? They first need to identify what they're going to do. I mean, they need to ident identify the property and the opportunity that's there. I definitely appreciate you mentioning that first uh, because just in my own, uh, what I'm seeing is people that want to get into multifamily with, 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 like with what we're doing. Um, but they, they also want to get into assisted living and they also want to do subject to, and they also <laughs> want to do fix and flips. And, right. um, and, uh, you know, just trying to be like honest about it right here, right now. Um, when somebody says that they want to do everything, I pretty much know that they're going to do nothing. That's have so you, <laughs> have you seen that? I have. Yeah. And when I talk to my coaching students, like, cause I, I do probate and I do, um, I do pre foreclosures and I do abandoned vacant properties and they're like, Oh, I want to do everything you're doing. And I say, no, let's focus only on one thing. I don't mind which one of the three you want, but only one. And then I'll teach you how to identify when it's a deal or not. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. All right. Any parting advice? We can let you go. Um, but yeah, what do you want? What do you want to share with the listener? Yeah. You know what? Um, I'll share two things. One is I, I tell us to people all the time, you're only one deal away from changing your entire financial future. And, and I, I that's what exactly what happened to me. I, I drove to Georgia. I got my first check, $15,000, and that changed my life. I saw that I could be somebody in this business and that it, I want people to walk away with that. It just takes one deal. Um, you know, the flip side's there too. You know, it takes one deal to ruin yourself, but <laughs> that's why we have people like yourself and, you know, that are out there teaching the, the, the right way to go out and invest. Um, but one deal can change your life forever in the positive way. And then one thing too is stop worrying about what you don't know and what you don't have and, and just get started. Because when you worry about the things you don't have, you miss the opportunity that's right there before in front of you. Yeah, I, I really like that a lot. I appreciate it. Solid, solid advice. How do people find you? How do they get a hold of you? I think just go to bootstraprei.com or they can look us up on our Facebook page, uh, Bootstrap REI. Got it. Thanks again for coming on. And until next time, my friend, think outside the box. If you love the show and haven't gone to iTunes and left a five-star rating and review yet, what are you waiting for? Also, if you've been considering getting started in a multifamily, I'm in a mastermind with my friend Rod Klee and he's coming here to Denver on May 17th, 18th, and 19th. These boot camps are great because Rod covers everything about multifamily in three full days. It's also great for experienced multifamily investors because the panel discussions Rod does has top level investors from our mastermind group. You can go to rodsbootcamp.com and use promo code Adam Adams to get 25% off.